You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What's up, everybody? Jason McIntyre, Straight Fire. It is Friday, September 11th, and uh, it's a rough morning for the city of Houston. Boy, the Texans get clobbered by the Chiefs, and the Rockets get demolished by the Lakers. But there is some good news, folks. The Texans and Rockets... They got to see what real championship teams look like, okay? You guys saw that Thursday night, okay? The Chiefs defending Super Bowl champs, as advertised, you know, after the first quarter struggles, blew, boom, just blew the doors off the Texans. Never was really close. And we will eventually get to the Rockets, and I will go all over the Rockets. I mean, it's going to be fun just trashing them and hammering Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I mean, listen, you guys can hype up the Clippers being uh, the best team in Kawhi. Talk to me about the Lakers. They were supposed to struggle in this series, right? But we've got to start with the NFL. I'm going to just say this off the top because I get tweets about it. I get some Instagram DMs. Jay, what do you think about Kaepernick and Madden? I'll probably address it on the podcast. And then, you know, we do the, we do an episode and it's like, oh, I forgot to talk about that. I don't really think much about Kaepernick and Madden, honestly. He's got a higher rating than, you know, Big Ben or whatever. I, who cares? Really? Does it matter that much to you? And so last night, as the players go out to the field, they have the moment of unity, they lock arms, and obviously, you know, fans booed. I don't think people should be surprised. They're going to boo the taking a knee, some of them, not all, obviously, and then they're going to cheer crazily when Tyreek Hill breaks off a punt return touchdown or Pat Mahomes has four touchdowns. That's who these football fans are, guys. That's who they are, like... I don't think you can get all worked up about it. I know some people today are going to open their show or dive into it early about the fans booing. And to me, it's just a non-issue. This is America. That's what some people are going to do. You can't stop them from doing that. Just as you guys can't stop me from talking deep into an NFL game that was a bloodbath. Okay? This game, you know, basically I have three takeaways. First of all, I've got to give a major shout out to the guy on the Kansas City Chiefs special teams who ran back an onside kick like 35 yards with like two minutes left. 
and the uh, Chiefs had to kick a field goal and hook me up with the push at 54. Best bet now, 15-5-2. I will gladly take a push I did not deserve. Uh, but on to the game. Like, basically three takeaways, okay? this you know, We don't need to do 30 minutes on the Texans getting worked by the Chiefs. This was as expected. My number one takeaway, obviously, a guy by the name of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, if you remember, last week... Fantasy guy Matthew Barry came on this podcast and talked extensively about the man now known as CEH and how he was going to wreck shop for Andy Reid's Chiefs. And what does he do in the first game? 138 yards, pretty awesome touchdown run. And he's going to put up some big numbers. Here's what I do love about the NFL. Three years ago, nobody outside of LSU fans knew who Clyde Edwards-Alaire was. He was like a backup running back on LSU. Last year, he was pretty phenomenal. I compared him to Doug Martin. Remember the the muscle hamster from the Buccaneers and the Raiders? Really nice, tough young player. That's who Edwards Alaire looks like to me. And he's going to win all the Offensive Rookie of the Year awards, uh, unless Joe Burrow is lights out in Cincinnati. But, I mean, pretty impressive opening night performance from him. So that's number one. My second takeaway is Bill O'Brien. I mean, what a clown this guy is, okay? We already know he is the worst GM, bottom three at best, GM in the league, okay? He makes poor trades, okay? He hands out bad contracts, just compounding matters left and right. And now he's down 24-7 in the third quarter. And you're like, okay, Texans, let's see what you got. You got this offense, right? Um, You got one of the best, deepest receiving groups in the league, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks. Uh, you got Kenny Stills. You, you, you just signed Randall Cobb. And they're running the football with David Johnson. Well, what the hell are you doing, Bill? What's going on here? You, <laughs> you get this high-powered offense, and, and you're doing nothing with it. I, I was embarrassed for the guy. I mean, they, they traded for Brandon Cooks. He had four targets. Okay, we know Cooks eventually is going to get hurt. He gets hurt every year. He has a concussion every year and has to miss time. It's unfortunate. But he's healthy now. You got to feed him the football. And then Randall Cobb. You sign him. You overpay him. Three targets? Dude, you're getting lit up by the Chiefs. You have to come from behind to win the game. And you're running the football with David Johnson. I I, I just, I'm mystified. I feel bad for Texans fans who are watching that. I mean, okay, basically the Texans had a pretty good opening script, right? They go three and out on the first possession. Second possession, you see some nice plays. Oh, they're moving the football. This works. Seven, nothing. You got a touchdown. But the script, as we've seen with other coaches, that opening script wears off. And what do you have after that? Four plays and a punt. Missed field goal. Punt. Interception. And then you look at the scoreboard and it's 31-7. Like, you just, you can't do that against the Chiefs. So number two, Bill O'Brien, he's a clown, but we knew that. And number three, and this was pretty impressive. So the NFL had no preseason. We are in the middle of a global pandemic. The stadium's one-fifth, I believe one-fifth full. And the product seemed fine to me. I I don't know about you guys. Like, the game wasn't close and the tackling uh, was very shoddy. But otherwise, it looked like an NFL game. I mean, it sounded like an NFL game. I was very happy watching it, you know. Um, I think the takeaway is, hey, we don't necessarily need a preseason. There's no, no need at all for four games. And the owners, of course, they have two home games in the preseason, which is revenue. And they're not going to give both of them up. So my guess is there's some kind of compromise where there is uh, probably two preseason games. Maybe they go down to one. I don't know. But you know the owners on the back end are going to say, hey, we need an extra regular season game if you're taking money out of our pocket in the preseason. And um, I don't know. I just, uh, the preseason's a complete waste. I understand that you want to build depth and, you know, there, there's the fun of long shots making the roster. Uh, as, a, as a longtime Jets fan, a guy like Wayne Krebet. It was just a great story, and you're able to root for him and watch him through that process, and you don't get that with the preseason. Um, but otherwise, I'm pretty impressed. I thought it was a solid product, uh, impressive opening performance from the NFL, and um, I'm glad to have football back. Later in the podcast, we have a great guest stopping by, a guy who gambles on the NFL heavily, and he was on the other side of the counter setting lines for the house. I think you guys are going to really like this illuminating stuff and uh, hopefully he'll help you get paid this weekend. But before we get to the NBA, real quick, subscribe, rate, and review. And I do want to add this. 
somebody texted me, hey, Jay, you got to listen to this guy's podcast. He did something interesting. And he tells me their podcast has a giveaway where they will look at like the next, I don't know, 400 five-star reviews and they will pick three randomly and they will send that person $100. Venmo them 100 bucks. So a five-star review, some witty, funny comment, whatever, and they'll Venmo you $100. They're doing that? And I said, that's genius. I am totally stealing that next week. Starting Monday, I will be doing this. Rob G, uh, I will let you pick the comments. I will Venmo from my personal account uh, $100 to three lucky five-star reviewers, okay? That's next week, 100% happening. Lock it up. My wife doesn't know that. You know, I'm not dipping deep into the funds. 100 bucks, come on. Celebrate. All right, let's move to the NBA. Where should we start, Rob G, with the Lakers or the Rockets? Should we should we start core, setting up Lakers Clippers, or is there going to be enough time for that? We should just go into crapping on the Houston Rockets because the series is over. It's over. It's only 3-1, but it, you could see the lethargy with the Rockets walking around the court. I'm telling you, GM Daryl Morey, he is probably gone. And then you start looking at that Russell Westbrook contract. <laughs> Three years, $132 million left on the Russell Wilson contract. They're going to need Carol Baskin from the Tiger King to get them out of that awful contract. Nobody's taking that. Nobody. Houston looks so tired at the beginning of the game. It wasn't even a fourth quarter meltdown from, from Harden. I mean, and, and then you look at the box score, you're like, oh. Nice job social distancing on the glass, Rockets. One offensive rebound. The Lakers had 12. They just murdered them on the glass. Oh, folks, it was glorious. I, I didn't stop watching at halftime. I just kind of had one eye on the game. And I couldn't take my eyes off James Harden because he was typical postseason soiling his pants, James Harden. Two for 11 shooting. Now, he did get to the line 20 times. Okay, remember, you breathe on James Harden, it's a foul. And he shot well from the line. If you just see like the flash on the bottom of a screen, Harden, 20 points, 10 assists. You're like, oh, he was all right. He was awful. James Harden for this series. Again, you just look at the stats, big picture. Oh, Harden's averaging 29, 29 points. Harden's averaging 29 points. He's shooting 44% from the field, 40% from three. Harden's doing well. Okay. Just remember, in the regular season, he was the best scorer since Michael Jordan. He's averaging 34 a game. And he's actually shooting better in this series. 40% from three than he shot in the regular season. 30. So what's the problem, Jay? Well, here it is. In the regular season, he averaged 22 shots a game. In this series, the Lakers are confounding the Rockets. Harden's only taken 16 shots a game. So now you've got guys like not even P.J. Tucker, by the way, who was scoreless. <laughs> P.J. Tucker scoreless in game four. Uh, you got guys like uh, Russell Westbrook clanging jumpers. You got Ben McLemore off the bench jacking shots. I mean, listen, James Harden had had the ball taken out of his hands by the double teams, and he has no counterpunch. And I texted this to Rob G. It might be inappropriate. I, somebody might call me out on it. Whatever. I, I don't care. Okay, this is how I view James Harden. So in the regular season... He's like when you're up in the club from like, you know, it's 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, maybe 1 a.m. And the beer goggles are on and the lights are dark and the, the lighting. I mean, everybody's a Vegas 10, you know? I mean, it's awesome. It's jumping. You're like, oh, this place is the best place ever. That's James Harden in the regular season. Lights out in the club, dark, fun. Last call, lights come on. Oh, what am I... Wait, no, ho, 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 ho. Things look a little different with the lights on. That's James Harden in the playoffs. That's what he does. The lights get brighter, the spotlight's on you, and oh, gosh, I, I voted for this guy for MVP? Oh, my, what am I doing? Listen, I, 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 I said this on social media. You look at Giannis, you look at Westbrook, you look at Harden. They are fun as hell in the regular season. They are dynamic, explosive, dominant. Look at the playoffs. That's when it matters. What are we getting from Giannis? He's at home. Russ and Harden, they're about to go home. I'm sorry. I, 
when you guys, next regular season, when you start saying, man, Harden, nobody can stop him. Okay, fine. That's great. That's wonderful. It's January. Congratulations. Don't give me that MVP garbage. I don't want to hear it because this is what matters. Rob G, was I too hard on the Rockets? No, of course not. They deserve every ridicule and every uh, poor analogy that you have <laughs> thrown for James Harden. <laughs> I mean, I thought they were going to give the Lakers much more problems than what they have. I did not expect, especially the team with Russell Westbrook. James Harden, I could kind of see, but I did not expect the team with Russell Westbrook on it to cave the way that they did in game four. They were just defeated. You know, by middle of the second quarter, they looked like they were just mentally broken. And, you know, as the saying goes, Houston, we have a problem. They got to they gotta blow this thing I, I to don't smithereens. Know you, I, I mean, the move, right, is probably to trade James Harden. They will never trade Well, James that's Harden. the problem. You're not going to be terrible with James Harden in the regular season. So then you're stuck in the middle. And you're I not going to get that top five pick, you know? Ideally, you'd be able to trade Westbrook, which his contract is too big, so you're not going to be able to do that. What they're going to have to do is just try to play some kind of conventional system that is not overly reliant on one thing in particular that they have been running for, what, the last four years? Yeah, Live by, by the, the way. three, die by three. Rob G., they hit 42% from three. Like, ordinarily, that's going to cut it. Lakers were only 9 of 30. I mean, the problem is, like, they only scored 100 points. If they're not getting threes, they're not scoring. It's a lot. It, they slaughtered on the offensive glass, like one offensive rebound. Anthony Day, friggin' Rajon Rondo. By the way, playoff Rondo, Rob G. 11 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He had three offensive rebounds alone. The Rockets team had one. I, by the way, okay, a quick word. I know we got to wrap this up. I don't see why people automatically think the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers. I, I think we might be two of the few people, two of the only ones, who think, I got the Lakers. I'm not betting against this LeBron team. I'm sorry. I, I, I think the Lakers will beat the Clippers. I don't know how many games, but they're not going to lose that series. I think ultimately what it comes down to is people have this idea about the Clippers that they should be the best team. And I agree with that. I think top to bottom, their roster is stacked. On they paper, got so, yeah. They got talent everywhere. The problem is it doesn't really fit in a lot of places. And so that, that kind of counterbalances whatever advantage that they may have. And I really believe that a lot of people in the sports media have forgotten exactly how good LeBron James is. <laughs> I mean, I know because he didn't make the playoffs last year and it was a rough season, but he is a monster. And what's funny is during these postseason, and Chris Broussard said on The Odd Couple earlier this week that I produce also on Fox Sports Radio, <laughs> weeknight 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. It's been a while since you plugged that great this radio. Shameless plug. I'm a company man. Um, you know, he, Chris had said that LeBron was looking again like the best player in the world, and I, I would agree with him. But what's funny is if you look at the PER throughout the playoffs, which I know is not a perfect measurement, but it is a one that people po uh, point to a lot. Anthony Davis is blowing LeBron out of the water in PER. He's blowing everybody out of the water yeah. in playoff PER. He is head and shoulders number one in the postseason. So for all the talk about how good LeBron has been, and he's been awesome, Anthony Davis has been even better. And it's like he kind of just goes under the radar. No one really talks about it. I don't think at as big as Laker fans and, and apologists as you and I have been on this podcast, I can't remember the last time we talked positively about Anthony Davis. It's only been, hey, Anthony Davis didn't show up in game one. <laughs> well, that's in both series, right? Exactly. We yeah. have not said anything positive about Anthony Davis. He's quietly putting up like 27, 13, and 3 or whatever it is, and he's playing elite defense. Well, it's going to be interesting. The Lakers will give them a loss in game one against the Clippers, right? They're going to lose that. That's what they do. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they'll bounce back and win the series. But uh, I can't wait for that. I don't know when the series is going to start. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, Rob G, I don't really want to go too deep in Toronto, Boston. I just, I have no read on that. Uh, I would lean to the under, but it's not my best bet. So everybody enjoy game seven tonight. I guess if you uh, gun to head, Rob G, who you got? I got Toronto. I'll go, I'll um, go against my, I'll my Raptors. You know, I picked them before the series, so I got to stick with it. Yeah. I think that's probably the bet. Boston's going to be gassed. No bench. I, I'd go Boston money line, but that's, that's just the heart overhead. So Lakers dominant, Rockets laughable. Now it's time for that great interview with Adam Chernoff. 
Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Vredestein tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Vredestein test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, it's week one of the NFL season, the much-anticipated season where there was no preseason. And to preview it, I wanted to bring in a guest who... I had him on my Saturday radio show last year, and he was a, he's an interesting guy. You guys know I like interesting. He's big into gambling. Uh, his name is Adam Chernoff. Adam, uh, how are you, man? How Are you excited for football the way I am? Of course I'm excited. It was uh, I thought we were not going to have it there for a little bit, but NFL holds true to who they are, and now we're ready to roll, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, now, Adam, would you call yourself – a professional gambler, a professional handicapper. We, I know you break down games, and I, I like your style. Uh, but how would you? How do you? When you introduce yourself to your girlfriend or your wife's friends, wh- how, what do you say you do? Uh, that's a question I've struggled with for about twelve <laughs> to thirteen years since I got into the industry. Uh, the official answer would be that I make my living from betting on football and that I have a very large passion in doing media, doing radio, doing videos, as well as writing. So uh, it all started for me as a better, still am a better, but it is grown into where I like doing a lot of media stuff as much as I like the betting aspect of it. So it, it's, it seems like it changes every day. And the official answer I give to anyone I meet uh, tends to vary depending on sort of the type of person that they are and how I think that they might potentially react to the answer. But it's a problem that anyone who's in the industry as a better or a bookmaker has probably struggled with for the last decade or plus, depending how old they are, that they hope changes because of what's happening in the States. But uh, we'll see if that 
becomes a little more acceptable as time goes on. Now, Adam says the States because he lives in Canada, actually. And, you know, as I got to know you a little bit, Adam, I, I, I'm curious. A lot of the gamblers listening to this podcast, we don't just have gamblers, but a lot of people now who play fantasy football, they like to gamble. And uh, they're on one side of the counter. You've been on the other. Can you just talk a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are? Sure. So I grew up in northern Saskatchewan, and I don't expect anyone to have any idea where that is if they're listening from the States, because most people in Canada, quite honestly, uh, don't know. But to put it in context, if you go as far north as you can in North Dakota, and then you drive for about another four hours north in a straight line, uh, you'll get to where I grew up. So there's a town, less than 2,500 people. Uh, Dad was a farmer, mom was a school teacher, and grew up there. And when I was in my mid-teens, ended up moving to one of the biggest cities in Canada. So that was a big shock for me. Uh, lost a lot of sort of my friends group, lost the ability to play sports. I was very active playing a number of sports because it was so cheap in town. Moved to the big city, everything gets expensive. So uh, I was 14, 15 years old. Everything sort of changed for me and started really watching sports, really getting into um, different types of like sports. I was never a big basketball guy, got into basketball, things like that. But uh, through that, became interested in betting as well. We had a TV network uh, up in Canada that had a ticker. And on the bottom ticker, there were different odds that were posted with it running across the bottom of the screen in like 2006, 2007. So naturally said, what is that? And then got, got involved with it. When I graduated high school, I went back to the small town. I was going to be the one guy in my graduating class of 16 people that was going to travel. Huh. And... I had just, I had about $2,000 to my name after working for the full summer. I was pushing wet wheelbarrows of concrete, uh, working for a stamp concrete company as I graduated through high school. And I was determined to travel, went to the Dominican Republic in 2010. It was actually about 10 years ago to the day uh, earlier this week. And my idea was, I'm going to see how long it lasts me, see what I can ultimately do. Did not realize the number of opportunities to both gamble but also work within the gaming industry in the Dominican Republic and by December of that year through a lot of luck ended up uh, getting a job with a bookmaking company and I worked with one of the largest the, the job turned into working with one of the largest bookmaking companies in the Caribbean based out of the Bahamas and I was working in their NFL operation ultimately ended up managing their NFL operation for the course of five and a half years uh, ended up in Colombia along the way, which is where I met my wife, and we've since moved back to Canada in the last two years. So now it's uh, much more betting focused for me, obviously being back in Canada, where the government doesn't necessarily look kindly upon people who are facilitating wagers, uh, but they're okay if letting you bet on different games. So mm -hmm. I've sort of transitioned back to where I started, and right. I'm now betting on football and, and doing a lot of media with it and just kind of settled down and enjoying things. So 16 people in your graduating class. I had close to 600. Um, but it, what, what I love is you were base, essentially setting lines for the NFL, and now you are betting on it. So I, I'm curious, Adam, when you look at week one here in the NFL, I know obviously you make your, you know, you do your own power rankings. Is there any big difference between what you set up and what you're seeing on the board in week one? Well, in terms of the ratings and the numbers that I put out from a betting perspective, certainly, but from, in terms of relating it back to experiences I had when setting these numbers, I think that bookmakers have set these numbers with a lot of uncertainty. There's mm -hmm. uncertainty more so, not necessarily about how the teams are going to perform. I think at this point with the amount of data that's available, we know what we're going to get from these teams. But I think that there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding how betters are going to respond to these markets. Because at the end of the day, as much as sort of overwhelming narratives and specific situations relating to point spreads and totals will affect the market, there are a lot of people relying on strictly numbers who are coming in and betting large sums of money and adjusting these prices immediately after they put their money into the betting market. And so when you're looking at a fluctuation potentially in home field advantage, we're potentially looking at a change in pace of play or aggression because of the environments that teams may be playing in. There's a lot of speculation about how that might play out, but there's no certainty to what we're going to get from it. So 
I think that there's caution from that aspect that they don't want to be caught taking these bets, having numbers that are a couple points either way off mm -hmm. and not, they want to be ahead of that. But with no one having that answer and nowhere to look, it's going to be much more of a quick adjustment to what we see if there's any differences at all, uh, rather than it is taking any sort of strong stances going into week one mm -hmm. and potentially being caught blindsided. So how should the people listening to this, everybody wants to fire on week one. They're all excited. They've been saying, you know, they had all their money saved up. They want to go in heavily in week one. But it sounds like you're preaching a little caution here. When you see everybody loading up, it, 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 I've heard various reports that Seattle is the most public play. Other, other shops are saying that Tampa Bay is the most public side. How do you anticipate, like, the handle for those games versus whether or not you want to weigh in and the public versus the house. Um, I would, if you're thinking about the public versus sharp debate, which is something that I think deserves a lot more thought than it might get. It's very difficult to paint one side as public and one side as sharp for every single game that's on the board. Mm -hmm. And the reason that is, is because there'll be different opinions at each of the different numbers. So in each game, there very well could be one team within that matchup that is both sharp and public in terms of definition at the same time. So if you're looking at a team like Seattle, who's gone from a pick em at open, they're now up to two and a half, mm -hmm. could be considered sharp at pick em before that line moved. But if you're looking at betting it right now, it might be the complete opposite. So if you're looking at backing Atlanta just because Seattle might be the public side, at two and a half, you're really taking a pretty irrelevant number at that point because the value of one as a point spread and two as a point spread is next to nothing in the NFL. And considering that Seattle could have been deemed a sharp play at a pick before this price moved, you're not really taking anything on the other side opposing that position. Whereas if it gets to three, maybe it looks a lot different. But if it gets to three, we're going to see sharp money come back on Atlanta anyway, uh, being a home dog in the opening week. So it's, it's a slippery slope to try really set a divide in every yeah. single game and put the different types of betters in that sort of category and force them into that and then try and make a decision off of that. Because if you're waiting for that to happen, then you're betting after the price has already moved which is putting you at a disadvantageous spot to begin with. So I would just be cautious trying to label each game a sharp Republic and then basing a decision off of that after the prices move. Uh, Adam, let me ask you about a game that jumped out at me. It looks like it's going in my direction. The Reds, oh, sorry, Washington football club getting six, now five and a half against the Eagles. Washington played them tough last year in both games, should have covered both of them. Uh, fumble return at the buzzer kind of screwed them in one of them. Um, and then you've got the the injuries on the offensive line for the Eagles matching up with the strength of the Washington defense, which is the defensive line. Do you see Do you see Washington as a pick that you'd like in Week One, or is that a stay away from? And I will preface that this all by saying there is, I'm sure, a divisional trend in Week One that everybody's going to talk about, uh, and you could get into trends. But underdogs in divisional matchups in Week One last five years are sixteen five and two against the spread. Last year, 4-1, and one, the year before that, 4-0. and oh. So Washington obviously fits the, into that trend if you like trends. You have to be careful with the nickname for the Washington yes. football team this year. I have caught myself about 15 times in the matter of the first week doing different sort of media spots yeah. around. Um, I think Washington was a, a nice grab at seven. I think looking at the Eagles injury report, Hargrave – did not practice on Wednesday, so he's unlikely to go on Sunday. Doesn't look like Jeffrey's going to be there either. I think that was sort of expected. But then there's other big names out there. Barnett was limited. Rigor was limited. Lane Johnson was limited. Miles Sanders was limited. Wentz was sort of the big name that kept this off of the board for obvious reasons as the quarterback. Um, went from seven to six very quickly. Then it went off the board. Wentz was announced as coming back. And we're seeing this come down just a little bit further. And Washington was a team throughout the offseason that had a lot of interest in the win total market. They had a lot of interest in the futures market. And they had a lot of interest in a lot of the individual player prop markets as well. So I think that some of this movement 
is sort of bleed over from that in terms of the same people that were interested in those markets, also interested in taking Washington in the first week of the season. And the reason that a lot of people were interested in doing that was because Dwayne Haskins is entering 2020 with a perception that's vastly different from what some of his numbers would suggest. And I think sort of the consensus opinion on Dwayne Haskins is questioning whether he should be a starter in the NFL at all. Uh, But if you are putting him as a starter, you're probably not ranking him higher than 28th, 29th at best out of 32 starting quarterbacks. Last season, he was put into really an impossible situation. Throughout camp, they had three quarterbacks fighting for snaps. Haskins was given the limited share of the three. Then it goes into the regular season. He's put in blindly on the road at the New York Giants out of nowhere, a very difficult spot to begin your NFL career. Next week, he's put into even a more difficult situation on the road in Minnesota, another impossible situation where he struggled. He didn't have the full practice week leading up to a start until week nine or 10 in the season. What happened after that, he had six, what I would deem as true starts, where he was the guy with the team and he was in charge of this offense. And his numbers jumped up dramatically in those six starts. Mm -hmm. He was top 15 in adjusted completion percentage. He was top 15 in passer rating. He was also significantly better when utilizing play action, one of the 10 best play action passers for any quarterback that started at least six games in 2019. Is this to say that he is a top 15 quarterback in the league? I don't think so. (laughs) But I think that he's significantly better than what a lot of the numbers suggest. And you pair that with a Washington defense that's going to be one of the best front sevens in football. And I think that there's a lot of upside that betters are seeing with the Redskins, especially getting a lot of points against an Eagles team that had a ton of injury concerns and limitations in the final week and a half of camp. And now a lot of question marks going into Sunday. So you add that onto the divisional aspect of it and how that will draw some attention too. You're also looking at a large point spread with a short total at 42 that's continuing to come down. Anytime that there's a large point spread with this and a low total, that tends to draw interest to the underdog as well, looking at a game that might feature uh, less variance than a, say, Houston-Kansas City game with a total in the low 50s. So uh, that's just sort of some of the reasons that people will be latching onto Washington in this spot. I think if you're looking at seven, you have a great ticket in your account. Even if you got like a six-point five and a nice number that's a, a good one to have but now five and a half it's starting to look a lot different yeah uh it's a couple of other divisional matchups that jump out i can't believe the vikings are favored by three uh, now it looks like it's down to two and a half but you know this is a vikings team that had a lot of upheaval in the offseason and i'm not high on the packers we know they were an overvalued 13 and three uh you know given many factors but it still surprises me with no fans. That Mike Zimmer uh, early season advantage seems to be gone. I don't know anything that jump out at you at Packers-Vikings. Yeah, so when this was that three and a half, uh, this was taken up pretty quickly, got to three, and now it's through the three down to two and a half. The Vikings return less than 20% of their defensive snaps from last season. That number gets much lower with Hunter now on injured reserve that'll really take away from their pass rush. And Gakwe was added. That's great. But he was, he's only been around this team now for about a week and a half. Zimmer's system is notoriously difficult to learn with the amount of press coverage he plays, the amount of aggression and how he disguises a lot of his looks on defense. So his team throughout his career as a head coach has been one of the most difficult to transition into mm-hmm. as a new player on the defense. And considering how much turnover there is, and now missing the key piece on the defensive line, uh, that sort of elevates the question marks for what we can expect from this team defensively. On offense, they lose Kevin Stefanski, who guided Kirk Cousins to his best season of his career. They lose Stefan Diggs, who was uh, enormous in terms of that vertical passing threat, uh, but they also utilized him very wisely as a runner in specific regards, brought a lot to that offense that they did not replace in the off season. So there's now question marks about what Gary Kubiak is going to instill. Is it going to be a higher pass rate? And how does that look without much an equal emphasis on that zone rushing scheme uh, that Stefanski brought that really added a lot of stability to that offense. So there's a lot of question marks around the Minnesota Vikings, the Packers, as you mentioned, 
a huge regression candidate in 2020 by every regard, potentially the biggest regression candidate that we've seen in the last decade of NFL football. And it's important to sort of distance yourself from your preseason predictions as a team. I think a lot of betters, myself included a lot of times, fall into the trap of being very high or very low on a team in the preseason and thinking that that has to dictate how you wager every single week of the season. And I, I, you can get in a bad spot with that, and I'm probably guilty of that, not having a Green Bay ticket in my account this week, looking at how obvious the, the spot could have been getting those points at three or yeah. three and a half. Um, but there's just so many question marks around Minnesota and people are just blindly taking the points here with Green Bay, and I think they're in the right spot for doing it. Yeah. Is there anything, Adam, on the board that you look at and, and you just think that that's the most value currently where the market is? You know, we're recording before, well before Sunday's games. Anything that jump out at you that you really like, or is there anything you've already fired on that you want to let everybody know about? I think something that's still available that people could sort of latch on to and take as a bet into Sunday would be the Arizona-San Francisco over. If you can find a cheap 47 and a half, that's fantastic. Otherwise, you're looking at 48, which I think is still suitable for a number. Basically, anything better than 49 in this spot is going to be worth a bet. And Arizona is a team I'm intrigued by. Not uh, the, the addition of DeAndre Hopkins from a talent perspective is fantastic, right? No one's going to debate that. But it gives Cliff Kingsbury a true four-wide receiver set. And last season – he entered the NFL running sort of empty personnel packages at an absurdly high rate, some 20% higher than the second most in the NFL. So like he was running these empty sets wide four or five wide receiver sets at 20 plus percent of all snaps. And he realized quite quickly into week five or six, that this was not something that was sustainable and he wanted to play up tempo he ultimately did. Arizona was a top five teams in terms of pace, but he just didn't have the personnel to make the system work. Now that he adds Hopkins into this offense, it takes a lot of pressure off Fitzgerald and it lets guys three, four, five on a depth chart that have a lot of speed really sort of settle into their singular roles. And now he has the offense that he wants. He has Kenyon Drake, the running back that he wants in the backfield. And where we've seen this really materialize is throughout training camp. Beyond the defensive players who came out after training camp every single day talking about how gassed they were from this up-tempo scheme, <laughs> every beat reporter, every writer for the Arizona Cardinals, and any interview was always centered around the dramatically increased pace that the Cardinals had been practicing with throughout the entire month of August. And it wasn't just specific situations. This was the Cardinals practicing 11 15 18 plays consecutively to increase their pace and do it as quick as possible. The NFL has never had a sub 25 team in terms of seconds snap to snap since 2015 with the Eagles. I think the Cardinals can be that team this season, considering the personnel that they have and how there's been such a high emphasis on conditioning the defense because you can't run an up-tempo offense unless your defense has their conditioning at a high level because they're going to be cycling back and through the field very quickly mm -hmm. if the offense goes three and out. So that really tipped it off to me that Arizona is going to come into the season with an increased level of pace. On the other side, San Francisco limited in terms of their wide receivers with injuries, but they've got three tight ends and three running backs on the roster, which Kyle Shanahan can utilize extremely well in the passing game. One of the best play designers in the NFL last season, Arizona, the worst team in the league when it came to defending opposing running backs and opposing tight ends, catching the football. And so I'm looking at Shanahan with a glaring weakness, the game plan against he's one of the few coaches in the league. I can trust to put together an efficient game plan. Isaiah Simmons, he might be the answer. I'm going to have to see it first if he can provide some help and coverage. But even if he is, they're playing against the 49ers who have the most depth at tight end and running back in terms of receiving talent. I think Kyle Shanahan can have a heyday here designing anything he wants. The creativity mm -hmm. is going to be a treat to see what he puts out on the field to watch. So at 48, I think this is a game with Arizona's pace 
what the 49ers can put together from a game planning perspective that we can see play into the 50s yeah. with a play count somewhere in the high 130s. So it's a really nice look to the over. Yeah, I'm, I'm also not just the over, but I, I like Arizona getting seven. You remember those two games they played against San Fran last year? I mean, nip and tuck basically the whole way. You know, they had blow, blew one cover there at the final buzzer, similar to the Redskins-Eagles. But yeah, I'm bullish on Arizona. What was the other game you said uh, besides that over? I think that that over with Arizona-San Francisco is definitely worth a look. And then I wouldn't shy away from laying the points with the Indianapolis Colts. Whoa. Whoa. Big road favorite. Interesting. Another big road favorite last season was the Baltimore Ravens, who went into Miami. And it was a very similar situation where there was a lot of interest in the Dolphins because of the sort of mountain of situations that were piling up in their favor and the number of trends. And the same thing exists here with the Jags, right? It's a divisional home dog. It's a divisional home dog of more than a touchdown. It's an outdoor home team hosting a visiting dome team. It's a dome team in Indianapolis traveling to play in extreme heat. It's an underdog of more than a touchdown with a total less than 45, something we talked about earlier. It's a Florida team in September. Betters love the Florida teams in September because of the heat and the humidity. And then the Colts haven't covered in their last five at Jacksonville. The Colts, one and nine in the last 10 against Jacksonville. The number of trends and situations that support Jacksonville is overwhelming. But I look at the Colts relating it back to that Baltimore game. The Ravens went into Miami. They faced a team that had an average age of 25 years old. The Dolphins were the youngest team in the NFL last season. The Ravens, a very simplistic scheme, very physical up front. They rely on the run game to open up explosive plays in the past. Very Um, very dedicated in their blocking, very confident, very efficient in how they run this system. They go up 59% rushing success rate against the Dolphins, 5.8 yards per carry. They run for 265 total yards, which in turn sparked seven explosive passes, 14 yards per pass, 379 total out of Lamar. The Ravens win by 45 plus. Now the Jaguars, 24 years old, the youngest team we've seen in the NFL in the last five seasons. And it's the exact same thing. The Colts, Hmm. the best offensive line in the NFL. They return all five starters from a year ago from a unit that graded out as the third best in the NFL. They have Marlon Mack, a 1,000-yard rusher from the season. But Chris Ballard, after all of this COVID stuff started, he goes out, gets Jonathan Taylor in the draft early to go behind Marlon Mack. So now you're looking at the duo of Mack and Taylor behind this offensive line. This is going to be a spot where the Colts can rely on their strength, very simple play design, relying on their physicality and blocking, and where this becomes a huge advantage. Since the beginning of August, the Jacksonville Jaguars have lost six defensive linemen from their roster. If you add in the losses of Calais Campbell and Marcel Darius prior to camp beginning, that's eight total defensive linemen lost from the Jaguars team. And then you look, Tavon Bryan, a projected starter. He's on the injury report right now, might not ultimately end up taking the field. Clayson, the rookie, dealt with injuries throughout training camp. So he's coming in with less than 100% in terms of training camp. Then the linebacker trio behind them, William Schobert and Jack, they, they graded out 88th of 90, 49th of 90, and 79th of 90 in 2019. There's a ton of issues across the board for this Jacksonville defense. And they're going to have to face the strength and the best offensive line in the NFL with the Colts. And then what does an efficient running game do? Opens up the opportunity for play action. All three Colts wide receivers, healthy and on the field. Phillip Rivers steps in. He has history working with Reich and Sirianni from his time in Los Angeles. Last season, the Colts ran play action at the seventh highest rate in the NFL. That was 12% higher than what Rivers had in Los Angeles. But last season, as much as Phillip Rivers takes criticism, he had the 10th highest increase in yards per pass attempt when using play action, the 6th highest increase in completion percentage, and the 11th highest pass rating in the NFL with play action. That was behind a terrible offensive line in Los Angeles. So he gets a lot more time in the pocket, gets an upgrade with these trio of wide receivers. And much like the issues for the Jags on the defensive line, they're starting a rookie in the secondary as well as Herndon, who graded out the 10th worst coverage player in the NFL in 2019. So nothing but opportunity for the Colts to go out with a very simple game plan, execute and dominate a very young and inexperienced Jags team. 
I think this could get as ugly as that Ravens game did for the Dolphins. Wow. I, I, I see now this is where Adam wins because he goes deep. I, I was not aware of the Jags defensive line issues. Obviously the Colts matchup strength. So I, I do like that one final game and Adam, tell me what I'm missing here. Okay. For whatever reason, people seem to be gravitating toward the New York giants uh, getting six. Now that's a big number for Pittsburgh. People keep wanting to say, Hey, Mike Tomlin struggles in openers, big Ben on the road, yada, yada, yada. But if you look at the giants, I mean, the, the continuity buzzword, okay, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, I believe new defensive coordinator. They just lost their starting quarterback, DeAndre Baker, to the arrest. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is phenomenal. I think nine of the 11 starters return. This, to me, feels like the Steelers squashing a bug. What am I missing? So this game opened at three and a half, yeah. and it was quickly bet to four, and then it was quickly bet to six. So the move to four was last Tuesday. That came from a release from a group that is based in in Europe. I'll put it that way. So that bumped it up. And then one of the more prominent betting groups in the United States earlier this week came out and released Pittsburgh at minus four, which took it up immediately to minus six. So there's a lot of respected money behind the move on the Pittsburgh Steelers that took this move up from three and a half to six. And then there's a lot of people following in that respected money with money of their own that's sort of keeping it there right now. So there's, when you're looking at the Giants, there's not a lot of people that want to go against that. But the main reason, I believe, that we've seen the Steelers move up is just like you mentioned. There's a lot of question marks with the Giants from a head coach to an offensive coordinator to a defensive coordinator perspective. I am not nearly as high on Pittsburgh as a lot of these other guys who have already been betting it are. Um, I think that the Steelers, not nearly to the extent that the Packers were, but there's a lot of signs that they are due for regression. And I hate using the word due, but they're just set up based on regression. You, looking back in 2019, the amount of luck from takeaways to defensive plays to fumble luck, everything really clicked for the Steelers last year to end up going 8-8. Eight and eight. I have questions about Roethlisberger coming off of the surgery. Jake DeLome was the only other quarterback that I could find that had a similar surgery. And the numbers that he came back with were no greater than the numbers that he had been putting up prior. And looking at the last starts for Ben Roethlisberger when he's healthy beyond just that single game he played last season, but looking back in 2018, the yardage was great. There's no question about that. The output was there, but the weapons were very different for the Steelers. And some of his accuracy metrics we're on the decline and that's really related to age. So I think I have some questions there that I'm going to have to wait and see. But mm. when I'm looking at the Colts at minus eight against Jacksonville, and then I'm looking at the Steelers at minus six versus the giants, seven is worth a lot in the NFL more so than any other numbers. So it's, it's not just a two point difference. There's a lot more to it than that, but we're getting very close to having the gap between the Steelers and the giants to the gap between the Colts and the Jaguars. And I don't agree with that whatsoever. And, and it's not as easy as just sort of copy and paste and going from one game to another. There's different factors. But, like, that's what these prices are saying is getting very close to sort of insinuating that the gap between those four teams is pretty well equal. And I had the Colts rated much higher than the Steelers and obviously the Giants much higher than the Jags. So it's not something that I agree with. So I'm waiting to see where this number, if it gets higher than six, because I think there's going to be interest for the Steelers. We're not going to see sort of the tail end of this movement until Sunday night, Monday morning. So it's a wait for me. But um, I was, uh, to be honest, I was interested at the Giants the second it got to six. So if it gets any higher, um, I'll definitely be going the other way here. All right, good stuff. Adam Chernoff, you can follow him on social media. He does appearances everywhere. Hopefully, yeah, we can bring him back frequently. I love his stuff. Good in-depth gambler. Loves the NFL. I can tell you breathe this stuff, Adam. I really enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks a lot for the intel. And congrats on your story. I'm sure it's not even close to fully written, but what a rise you've had, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the opening week of the games. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. 
Choose from the full line of Michelin tires, ship fast and free to you, or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work, install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Michelin test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game making money while you do it. Here's your best bet. All right, best bet on Straight Fire Friday, September 11th. I'm sorry, folks. I'm not going to the NBA. I know there's a Game 7, and Clippers uh, is is a Game 5 that doesn't really matter because they're going to obviously win the series. Um, I'm actually going to shock the world, and I'm going to go to the NFL on Sunday. I hope that's allowed. We don't have any bylaws for where the best bet is. Um, I, I just There's a specific NFL game I'm really looking at, and i got to give it out as my best bet. Uh, pushed on the first best bet of the NFL season Thursday night. My best bet this weekend, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. I'm, I got, listen, I was in Vegas. You guys know this. I have the ticket. I think I posted, I didn't post the ticket yet, but I got them plus eight. Um, just, just a small play in Vegas. I make a lot of small futures plays and I'm betting on them again. Now it's eight or seven and a half, but I just, I like the Browns here. I'll be talking about this bet later on, uh, probably on Colin Cowherd's show and, um, Cleveland plus eight in Baltimore. Give me the Browns and Baker starting off the year with a bang. All right, folks, thanks a lot for listening. Everybody have a great weekend. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Next week, we're doing that giveaway for the five-star reviews. Remember it. Hit me up on social media. I'm out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 